Before we begin today, I want to thank my sponsors. Um, thank you to my anchor sponsors, Jonathan, Jake, and Sergio, my homies from Los Pichos. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Also, want to thank David Gasellum. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home in the Imperial and San Diego counties, then you must contact David Gasellum at 760-235-9576. He's not only a realtor, but also an investor with over 20 years of experience. He will not only sell you a property, but teach you along the way one of your most important investments that you will make in your life. Um, you can find David Gasellum on Facebook or give him a call at 760-235-9576. Hey, Kepasa Calexico, welcome back to the podcast. Special edition of the podcast today, I'm at uh, Tech de Mayo here at IBC. Um, to, today we have Mr. Ascension Reyes. Ascension Reyes, and he is the Vice President of Imperial Valley Q. Q. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, Tech de Mayo? What is uh, Tech de Mayo's uh, uh, teacher education conference uh, started about, oh, about eight years ago. Um, the Tech de Mayo conference is uh, mainly to give teachers professional development um, in the use of educational technology and other other innovative teaching methods. So we invite uh, all the teachers from Imperial Valley to come down and sign up and take the courses, the the professional development sessions that they'd like to see. Um, this is what year of Tech Mile? Um, probably the eighth annual, I think. Oh, so it's been it's been on for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think the importance of you know, technology and, and professional development and technology, how does it, you know, why is it important and, and, you know, for teachers to be, you know, coming to right. these types of things? It's important because I think now more than ever, uh, technology is, is making its way more into the classroom, even more than, than ever before, especially now that students, kids have so much technology at their disposal. And we as teachers who, who see them, you know, six, seven hours a day, we can we can use those tools to to get them engaged in, in in their learning. So for us as teachers to become more familiar with the tools, how to combine those with with older teaching methods, um, it, it can really make a a day in the classroom much more engaging for a child. So it helps us as teachers to come down to these kinds of things and, and learn how to utilize the tech uh, and and combine those tools with with. Um, with traditional methods and just the learning that usually happens. Yeah. Um, what do you think that matters today most in education? Um, I think it's keeping kids engaged, basically. Um, there's so many distractions nowadays for, for students, for kids. Um, how can we keep them interested? Um, how can we keep them uh, relevant and, and for them to see the relevance of what we're teaching them or what they need to learn so that so that their future looks brighter i think keeping them engaged and coming to school so i you know things like this uh really help with that do you think that maybe in the future there'll be a like a parent component where you know parents can come in and, and kind of um get uh training as to um after school you know how they manage their kids on screen time or uh manage what they're doing on because on, on, we're seeing more and more you know that uh, take home you know right. take uh, laptop home How, do you think that maybe in the future you guys will add a component as to yeah definitely I, I think that's coming I think uh, that's definitely something that we could add um, and there we, there are resources um, that a lot of school districts have in, in those respects um, we just haven't added them this year um, but I, I do think that those would be good good things to add okay yeah is there anything else that you want to add today um 
just uh, you know, if if uh, if you're interested in ed tech, you know, look look for your um, for your school district's resources. They, most school districts have somebody in charge of that. Um, so anybody out there who's interested and wants to know what their schools are doing, reach out to your school districts and see what they're doing with ed tech. All right. Well, thank All you, right. Sensio, for being here. And um, um, looking forward to maybe being here in the future again. My Please pleasure. Thank, thank you. All right, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. Welcome back. Um, we're here with Dr. Todd for now. He's a superintendent of um, ICOE. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for Happy being Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so, um, you know, the big days here. Check the mile. This is actually my first one. Oh, wow. Great. Um, I work for Calexico. I'm a, a computer technician at Calexico, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Calexico High School. So what are your impressions, if, if you don't mind me asking before we get started? Um, you know, it's it's fun to see a lot of people from the Valley, like, uh-huh. you know, coming here and, and, you know, learning about technology. You know, being somebody that's in the technology field, right. you know, it's kind of fun to see all these people really interested because technology is, um, you know, you know, changing our world. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And and it's funny because you know um, I've been in the district for 19 years now, mm-hmm. so I remember like going to ICOE when you were part of the uh-huh. of the tech team there, uh-huh. you know, and being awesome. amazed by the yeah. technology you guys had there. And and uh, when I worked with Bob Simon. I remember um, he was always um, planning ahead. Right. Um, he was a big planner. Like, you know, sometimes we we would be like, why is he spending so much money on infrastructure, which <laughs> right. is you know big huge part of. Um, being able to implement the technology absolutely but so critical Mm -hmm. and 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 so critical to allow us to get to where we're at today yeah Yeah. and when i would go to the to icoe i would i would see you know your your your, um you know your lab and how Mm -hmm. you guys had like all the wiring Mm -hmm. underneath and Mm -hmm. i was like wow it's crazy and it's funny because my first um q conference in palm springs um i had just turned 21 you know and they took me over there and i was you know Uh that's where i I, kind of met you right um so it's, it's crazy how you know um, you were part of the tech team. Now you're like the superintendent. <laughs> so it's like, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm going back to, you know, uh-huh. what I like about this is, you know, I was at the 3D print, printing session. Uh, right? The 3D printing? Uh-huh. And, Absolutely. You know, it's amazing. I, I, I never thought of, you know, the many ways you can implement it in the classroom. Like mm-hmm. if you're a biology, biology teacher, you can um, print, you know, models for your classroom. Right. You know, the kids do all that. So, right. you know, it's, you know, I, I would never, you know. Absolutely, and the, 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 how it's become so inexpensive to do is exactly. really so amazing. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. He was saying the prices. I was like, what? One hundred bucks? One hundred eighty right. bucks for a three D printer? Right. It's crazy. Right. Um, but let's see. I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. Um, first, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. How you got into technology? How you got uh-huh. into you know education? Oh wow. Okay. So I I started right out of high school. I actually, didn't really think that I was going to go into education. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. <laughs> so uh, I finished my degree in criminal justice administration. And uh, back in those days, you know, if you had a degree, uh, you could actually start teaching on an emergency credential. So I had a I had a close family friend uh, who was a, a superintendent in one of the districts who uh, said he needed a teacher. And how would I you know would, would I consider teaching? And, 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 you know, wait on me a little bit. I said, oh, you know what, let's, let's try that for a while. It also helped that I was uh, getting ready to get married. And so I thought, you know, it might be nice to have a good, you know, steady job. And um, so I started teaching and I absolutely fell in love with, with education and uh, decided this is what I want to do for my career. And so that was back in the early 90s. 
Um, and uh, so, so I taught for a number of years, second and third grade, taught uh, in the middle school level, taught in court and community school. Um, so all of that was kind of preparatory, and, and I, I kind of say sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to be lucky sometimes, and, and I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time when it came to being able to transition into educational technology. It was right at the time when the internet was beginning to, to be something that we in education said, hey, this is something that we've got to get involved in. Yeah. And the County Office of Education opened up a position to be the technology coordinator and to focus on how are we going to use technology in uh, the academic setting. And so uh, I did that, and that really just launched uh, the next sort of uh, chapter of my career. And so I, I focused on technology for a number of years. Um, and, uh, you know, I've just, I've been very blessed to, you know, be a teacher, a counselor, an ed tech uh, person, you know, administrator. Uh, I spent four years at the community college uh, as, a, as an administrator here, which I think was some of the best um, sort of professional development for me because I spent my entire career thinking about and helping, you know, in the discussion about how do we prepare students for college without really knowing, you know, sort of what it means to transition into college. Yeah. And so spending four years here at the at IVC uh, really helped me see from the other side, you know, the, the mechanics and sort of behind the curtain of what it means to transition into college and be successful or what it takes. And so, I, you know, again, that was just turned out to be a blessing because then when I came back into K-12 in my current capacity, um, you know, I was one of the first things we did is we launched a, a major initiative, which is college and career readiness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to really uh, apply some of the things that I learned over those four years uh, has been exciting. So it's just, you know, it's been a wonderful ride. Yeah. It's funny because I, I kind of came into technology the same way. Um, when I was in high school, that's when they, were, they started putting, you know, technology in a classroom like Internet and stuff like that. So there was this one kid that was really good with technology, and I don't know if you know Walter Lewis. I do. He's like yes. he's like my mentor. Oh, Him and Doreen are like well, my mentors. You know what? He he's a wonderful educator, but more importantly, he he is just a gracious and wonderful man. Mm, he's yeah. a wonderful human being. Yeah. yeah. So he needed somebody to um, start installing um, network cards on the computers we had. Uh -huh. So he told me, oh, can you ask um, this classmate of yours if he wants to help me?" And I, and I asked him. He's like, "No, uh -huh. I'm too busy with tennis." Uh -huh. I'm like, "All right." So I told Mr. Lewis, like. Well, I can help you, you know, teach me and I'll help you. Like, all right. So that's how I, ah. well, I was a high school student when I um, started um, yeah. putting yeah. computers in, at the Anza because yeah. that's where Mr. Lewis was. So that's how I, you know, became. Absolutely. Well, you were probably, uh, both of us were probably, the, we were that kid in the in the classroom that the teachers would look at, you know, what, back in my day, I'm a lot older than you. So <laughs> it was, you know, the 16 millimeter films and all of that when the teacher didn't know how to use them. Yeah. Know, hey, Todd, can you help with this? And so I've always had an interest in technology and it's always been something that, that I was good at. And so it, when I could pair that interest and skill to the my job that uh, was a wonderful opportunity yeah um how do you feel that um technomayo um helps the educational community here in, in, in yeah it's huge you know we we started this gosh this you know different versions of it, it became technomayo in the, the, the most recently in the last five or six years but before that i mean even back in the late 90s we we had conferences it used to be at southwest high school um because what we you know this it, and it's morphed over the years in the early days of the con this conference uh so prior to tech de mayo it was just the ed tech conference but mm -hmm. in the early days it was really about trying to stimulate and encourage um teachers to think about using technology yeah 
nowadays that's was very and it was about us building our capacity building the tools uh, um, and, and technology wasn't all that easy back then so if a teacher wanted to use technology they needed to know a lot about the technical side of yeah. everything the hardware software and everything now if you fast forward to the most recent years here at Tectomaya, why the purpose of this conference is so important today is that we've invested a lot in the technology um, the capacity has been built um, the software and technology now is very easy to use very user friendly um, and so really to get the return on all that investment and where we're at today with the technology it's really about just sharing best practices and so what i love about this conference is teachers come in and, and most of the folks that are here today I have an interest in using technology. Yeah. Um, and so they're already predisposed in that way. But when they come in, they, they, this is a, about sharing. It's about this is what's working in my classroom. This is what's working yeah. in the classroom next door. This is how easy it is to do. Just like we were talking about the 3D printing. Mm. This is how inexpensive it is to do now. It's just making sure that people are aware that the tools and the software are out there. Uh, and then really getting to the, the most important part of the conversation, which is what difference is it making? Is it actually helping students yeah. you know improve uh, is it helping them to be exposed to new things uh, you know i'm not a big fan of necessarily you know what is it affecting in terms of their academic you know their their test performance or those sorts of things although those that's important uh, and i think there's a lot of vendors out there that will tell you you know how that relates and there's some correlation but the more important thing is how is all of this preparing them to live in the world that you know it, just five years ago to where we are now, look at all the changes that have occurred. Yeah. We have no idea what the world is going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years. And so it's really about building the, their capacity to be adaptive, to be creative, mm -hmm. to be, you know, uh, ready for whatever life is going to throw at them. Yeah, to that's be, what's exciting. Yeah, I feel like um, some, it's kind of weird because when I'm walking around school and I see kids using technology, yeah. I see that sometimes kids aren't comfortable with the technology. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you be yeah. a young person yeah. nowadays and not, you know, exactly. feel comfortable yeah. with it? So I think that getting teachers comfortable with it is is a big uh, way to, you know, pass it on to the students. Absolutely. Um, one thing that um, I talked to Ascension about is um, maybe bringing in a parent component where mm -hmm. uh, we get parents down here, you know, kind of help them. Um, manage screen time or manage what kids are doing. On, Absolutely. Um, is, do you feel that you know that'll be part of? Absolutely. Work? I think that's really important. I, I don't know. You may be familiar with our initiative that we've launched over the last couple of years, Borderlink Initiative. But this is where we're trying to close the homework gap. So mm -hmm. we're actually we've built the system now. But we're uh, what we're trying to do is make sure that every student in Imperial County has internet access beyond the classroom. So when they go home, when they go to their grandmother's house, wherever they go after school or outside of school, that they have internet access. Because if we don't address that, that digital divide is more significant than anything else um, yeah. that we've talked about in the past. Because kids right right now, in order to do well, not just with schoolwork, but in life in general, I mean, for those of us that have had internet access for, since it was out, right? If you think about what would you, how would your life be if you didn't have internet access when you went home each and every day? Yeah, uh, I don't think any of us want to live in that world, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we I, you try to take away any of our internet access and see how, how you know much of a fight you get. Yeah, um, it, and so it's imperative that we make sure that every kid has that access when they go home. They have that same opportunity, and so we're we built the system to be able to do that. We're working with schools now to push out the devices, but our our hope is that we we don't even talk about that anymore in Imperial County. That we just know that when our kids leave 
school, they go home and they have internet access that they need to work on their studies and to, and, and the, re- the reality is, you know, while we're focused on making sure that the students have access, it, it also makes sure that the family has access. And yeah. there's so many benefits to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that even the government now, now is kind of seeing it as a, as a utility. Now. Right. Cause it, I mean, it is, you know, you think about, you know, where we're at now and, yeah. you know, just like for communication yeah. itself, it's it's a yeah. huge part of, of, of our world, and and yeah, I mean, I feel that in, in that sense, you know, having parents be part of right. of the kids' um, tech world is, right. is big. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think you know, and the government is heading in that direction, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see where all that goes. What we've kind of taken the position in Imperial County, and we did this when we built out the fiber network as well, is that we're not waiting for other folks to solve it for us. It's a problem that we want to solve now, and so we have the ability and talents to do it. We're going to do it. Um, so we're, we're excited. Again, I think that uh, that's something that a lot of people don't see, the the, um, the the amount of effort and money we put into the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's because they don't see it, you know. Yeah. They, they yeah. know it's, um, they have internet connection but yep. they don't see the, the amount of yeah. time and, and, and in a lot of ways that's what we want you know I, if we were an electrical utility we, we don't want people thinking about okay I'm, I'm going to flip this light switch are the lights going to come on and, and how does that work and what why for you know most of our folks we, we don't they shouldn't even have to think about yeah. that they should just know that they are connected mm-hmm. and that's what we're after yeah um, the last question uh-huh. um, what is the future of Technomayo or how would you like to see Technomayo continue to, to improve Gosh, you know that's a great question. You know, I, well, first of all, I, you know, maybe that there's an underlying assumption there that you know it needs to improve. Uh, I think we can always improve, but yeah. I, I, I want to start off by just saying that I think the folks that have put this together and all of the folks that have give, been giving of their time to come and present uh, are amazing, and so I think it's a wonderful event as it stands today. Um, you know. For me, I guess, and I'm not maybe as close to it as some other folks are now, but uh, I just want to make sure that it stays relevant. And so I think that's one thing that I'm pretty proud of over the years is that it has adapted year on year to whatever the most pressing needs are in our schools and with teachers uh, when they think about wanting to use technology. And so, you know, my, my hope is that the, the improvements would come and making sure that the, the conference continues to reflect what are the most pressing needs of our teachers and students uh, and schools in the classroom. Yeah, that it continues to evolve with the technology Absolutely. and the needs. Absolutely. Um, I guess this is my final question. Uh-huh. Where do you see the county at in five, uh-huh. ten years? Like, what do you see ICOE um, providing uh, the community with in five, ten years from yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you ask that because we're, we're actually right now in the middle of uh, developing our, our long-term strategic plan, but <laughs> well, we're here to help, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think right now our, our major priorities are going to take, so when we say five years, right, I'd like to, my, I guess, statement would be that our strategic priorities that we have laid out for us right now are fully implemented and that has to do with making sure that we have we have an initiative around healthy families making sure that families are healthy um, you know wellness is a big part of my push uh, because you know and that was the theme of our celebration of education we just had this past week was the whole child it's really important that we focus not just on academics but on the, the everything about uh, children's development and that has to do with the social the emotional the physical um, well-being 
And so really making sure that we continue that initiative and that push. I, like I, I mentioned earlier, our college and career uh, focus is, is something that really typically when we in the past when we thought about college and career readiness, we focused on high school. Typically, it's been, a, and, and the push morphed into a real big push for CTE, which is all important. But our, our heavy lift now is making sure that we start as early as pre-K. Yeah. At the very early days, working with students to make sure that not only are they going to developmentally be prepared, but as early as possible to start thinking about the things that they should be thinking about to, to be ready for the decisions that they need to make. Um, I'm not a necessarily uh, a strong supporter of trying to make kids uh, lock themselves into uh, a path early on. Uh, I, I tend to favor, just because of my own experiences and the, my own yeah. life lessons that I have, I, I like to make sure that students uh, are prepared to so that they give themselves as many opportunities as possible so that when life happens and decisions need to be made, they can adapt those decisions and, 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 and make the right decisions at that moment. Um, and so I, th I think it, sometimes it's a little bit dangerous that we put so much pressure on students to, you know, by your junior year of high school, you need to know exactly what you want to be what you want to do, what degree you're going to have, and everything else. Um, because, you know, the, the, my experience tells me that that's not exactly how life works. Yeah, uh, I mean, most of the people I know that went to university or college, you know, yeah. they they ended up not doing what they were. Absolutely. What they started uh, thinking of. Yeah, doing. absolutely. So, so I think those kinds of things are really important. Uh, certainly, you know, technology, one of our strategic pr priorities is making sure so that the Borderlink initiative, I, I would hope that in five years from now, if we were sitting here having a conversation, that we, we wouldn't be talking about it as an initiative. We would just be speaking about how um, fortunate we are as a county to, to know that every kid has access when they, they leave the school because that's going to be transformative to the instruction that happens in the classroom. Uh, right now, today, if you're a teacher and you know that some of your students have access when they leave and some don't, it changes the way you think about using many of the tools. Yeah. There are some very rich application, applications and software tools uh, that can be used that are adaptive and that could really help students kind of target the, their focus on their deficiencies and the things they need to focus on improving. Um, but in order to do that, it, it takes making sure that you know that, that you're not create you're not adding to that digital divide because if you do that today and some have access and some don't uh, you're really disadvantaging those that don't have access and we want to remove that barrier so that you know so five years from now I would hope that you know that barrier is fully removed and and then we're coming to this conference and we're hearing all of these things these really innovative things that are happening now because teachers have had that shackle removed yeah. and they know that all kids have access yeah. um, and it's funny because um you know, I'm thinking of all the the way things have changed, um, and I'm, I went back to when we had the Viacom um, video conferencing, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. and it was like, what? <laughs> and now we can do it on our phones, yes. and you know, yes. it's crazy yeah. how how um, yeah. you know you, you, you. I'm asking you this question about uh -huh. five years, but uh -huh. like like you said, we don't know where things are gonna go. A absolutely, and we, and we've learned from experience, and and I celebrate these things. Sometimes my staff, you know, feels a little bit. Uh, more personally invested in it, but video conferencing is a great example. I've always said because we 
We started off as countywide with some of our grants doing video conferencing and pushing distance learning. That then we started running the state program through our high speed network. So we were doing video conferencing for the state, not just for K-12, but also for higher education. So community colleges, UC, CSUs, they were using our system. And, uh, and I always said from day one, we're going to, we're going to be out of business soon. And we need to be okay with that. We're meeting the need today. But we need to know that this need is not going to continue to be here. So don't get too attached to this service. We've seen that with some of our uh, content initiatives that we've done for the state, uh, where we just knew that this is meeting the needs today. But, you know, nowadays I say we don't need a video conferencing system. We have, we have Zoom. We have, you know, you know, FaceTime. You have all these opportunities that are so much more intuitive and so much more where the people are on their mobile devices and elsewhere uh, that we don't need to be there. And so I celebrate when we can make that decision to okay we're going to step out of this role now because the the market conditions have changed yeah uh, yeah yeah it's crazy um well dr for thank you for being here maybe in the future we'll we'll sit down and have a couple hour long talk absolutely, on the podcast. Uh, absolutely. i know we can talk for days about not only technology but you know yeah. education and, and and how it's changing and yeah. and and you know the valley needs and 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 how we can help that absolutely um, it would be my pleasure awesome thank you thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. So we're back here, and um, we are with Luis Wong, who is the chief executive officer for K twelve High Speed Network. So I actually have uh, multiple roles. You know, <laughs> I, I uh, thank you for for having me, Jose. Um, I've actually sorry to interrupt, but I've been trying to get you on the on the pa- podcast for a while now. Um, oh yeah, well you know it's. We're, but I know you're. I mean, you're super busy because you know what we're talking about is really important for. For the Imperial Valley and the communities, you know, here. Absolutely. Well, I'm not actually proud of that title of being super busy, but yeah, I am <laughs> busy and that's not an excuse. But, you know, so so uh, I am the chief technology officer for Imperial County Office of Ed, and I support all their technology infrastructure initiatives. Um, I also wear another hat. Uh, another role is uh, statewide. So I'm the CEO of the K-12 HSM program and really look at, it's, it's more of an administrative program, but we focus on ensuring that all our schools in California have access to high-speed internet access. So, you know, this this is a lot of what I do you know, in terms of ensuring that uh, our schools are really equipped with the, enough capacity mm-hmm. know, to do what they need to do. And but your main um, the main reason you were here today was because of Borderlink. Yes. Um, yes. Can you talk? Talk to us about a little bit. About absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Borderlink is one of our newest initiatives. It's an infrastructure project. Uh, it's a, it's a long term vision that we've had for many years. That we are finally getting to a point where we can actually materialize that vision. Um, it's really about um, improving uh, and giving our community uh, more options for them to have access, broadband access. We understand. You know, we've been working with um, a lot of our community, our county agencies and schools to ensure that they have the capacity that they need when it comes to broadband. We understand it's an important um, uh, tool and asset for uh, growth of the community. And what we've been focused in the last 20 years is really focusing on connecting uh, the, the, the actual school facilities, our county buildings, our city locations. And what Borderlink allows us now to do is we're now expanding that um, access from the wires to what everybody's using now, which is wireless. And, yeah. you know, all the, we live in a wireless world, whether we like it or not. And so... Um, 
we understand right now that our, our schools are trying to move on the direction of of um, digital learning. They are now doing online testing. A lot of the resources that the teachers uh, need to access are on the internet. Yeah. And so we also recognize too that there are gaps within connectivity. You know, in Imperial County, we, we're, we're using Bordling to help address that gap, that digital equity gap. Um, I could tell you around the state, there's uh, a lot of other issues around uh, access. You know, we still have schools that don't have adequate broadband connectivity, mm. and this, these are schools that are extremely isolated. They they are in places where the geography and the terrain is very difficult. Uh, we have places where they're in uh, protected uh, lands and and places where you know you got tribal communities where you just can't go out there and yeah. install broadband. So, you know, there, there are real challenges. Here in Imperial County, we've been really fortunate because we've had a lot of key stakeholders come to the table and talk about, you know, collaborate on how do we solve the broadband issues in Imperial County. So, uh, Imperial County Office of Ed and, and our leadership with, with, with our Superintendent Todd and previous uh, superintendents, John Anderson and Mallory and, and Todd Finnell, they've, they've been extremely supportive of further pushing uh, the, the equity issue around broadband. So, you know, Borderlink is, is that initiative for us in terms of uh, now focusing on getting connectivity where it matters, where it's with our families and, and our students, yeah. really trying to get them. Um, and, and it's not, you know, we're not talking about lack of infrastructure, but we do recognize, too, that um, some families in Imperial County can't afford having access. You know, they can't afford paying $80 a month. Yeah. For, for for internet access. So um, we unintendedly have created this homework gap because um, now we're trying to have our students use the internet for their assignments and um, and when they leave the classroom, they just don't have that access. So we're either seeing students having to uh, stay you know, after school to try to get their assignments done um, or they're trying to go somewhere where they can get access, whether it's maybe a relative, maybe they're at the library, maybe they're at Starbucks, maybe they're at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> it's not uncommon for us even to see in our facilities, you know, uh, folks parking out parking outside are, you know, trying to get access to the Wi-Fi, yeah. you know, and, 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 and that's a reality. So, you know, we, we're really hoping to take a stab at that issue, you know, and um, this is an infrastructure project and we are really trying to empower our districts. We're really trying to ensure that our power, that our districts can have tools and they can um, use these tools uh, however they see these uh, being appropriate for addressing those things. We want to make sure that all our students have access. Yeah, and, and um, earlier I was talking to Todd about infrastructure. And you know how important it is to, you know, have that to if you want to um, really implement you know technology. Yes. Um, and you, I was I was in your session right now, and and you were talking about the infrastructure and, and how many people would ask like, why do you need so much? Why do you need fiber going to this school or that district? But I mean, it's just thinking above and beyond. You know, maybe try to implement you know something like this in the maybe ten years ago you were thinking maybe we could implement a, a project like this. So. I mean, it's it's um, really important to think about you know being prepared for 
more than we really need. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know that's the beauty of technology. And uh, we, we, you have to be forward thinking. You really would need to keep an eye on where things are headed. And I'll tell you, you know, nowadays uh, we. We would have never thought that um, you know cloud computing would have been here. These mobile devices changed the landscape tremendously. Yeah. Who would have thought that you know once the these these smartphones came into the landscape that uh, it would just disrupt the entire technology industry, right? And we we don't think about technology the same way we think about it in the last five years. You know, if somebody would have taught, asked you five years ago, where do you predict technology was going to be? It, it, it probably gave you a lie because you yeah. know, we, we don't know how, you know, this is moving so, so quickly and we're building upon exponential um, technology. So one thing takes us to another, but in an exponential way. So if for us, you know, now with smart phones with cloud computing you know a lot of our schools and, and counties can now push a lot of their systems and services up to the cloud and that was unthinkable a few years ago yeah. but what do you need to do that you need high-speed broadband mm -hmm. you can't do it without it right yeah. I remember when t1 was like wow we have a t1 yeah. in our schools like, now it's fiber and it's right. 10 gigs and it's crazy. You know? Exactly. It's okay. really crazy, you know. Um, and I, this is what I tell folks. For us, it's really not about bits and bytes anymore because that's, that will always change, right? You know, like you say, uh, a few years, 10, 15 years ago, we are talking 1.5 megabits with a T1. Then it was 10. Now it's 100 megabits. Now it's a gig, 1,000. Mm -hmm. Now you're seeing 10,000 megabits. You're seeing 100,000 megabits. Right now, we're seeing pilot uh, production networks at 400 gigs and 800 gigs, and the terabit is maybe a year away from now, mm -hmm. which is, you know. So that's never going to stop. We're always going to be needing more and more yeah. and more and more. And, you know, now you're starting to see the, a lot of chatter around the next generation of, of wireless technology, which is fi uh, 5G. And how that's really going to impact the the our lives when it comes to, you know, now vehicles using these these types of infrastructures to communicate and to uh, help uh, make decisions and self drive vehicles and you know it's just going to completely change the landscape of how we do things. So, you know, for us, it's about again empowering our community with that infrastructure. Um, we 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 hope that eventually there will be a good adoption of it and then we can make a case for continue to build our own and why do we build our own because it, it is a purpose-driven network right it is designed for our schools it is designed mm -hmm. for public agencies it is designed to be cost effective you know we don't we don't we're not here to make any profit we're here to recover our cost and make sure that we have some decent operation and so we've proven that you could do that with with uh with fiber yeah. we think we could do the same with wireless um and so i think the future is bright for for imperial county yeah and going back to um you know say uh, saying why build your own i mean when people ask you oh yeah but we have you know verizon or t-mobile but at the end of the day you know those are companies that are profit driven that you know are you know here to make a profit so well we're trying to solve the same problem right it, it's about uh you know broadband and empowering our communities uh, i think the motive is a little different you know they they, they definitely uh, you know if you're in a business you obviously want to have uh, your profit driven and you have other uh, uh, constraints 
um, we, we don't have those constraints. We, we, uh, for us, it is about empowering the community and um, turns out that we just do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, not not trying to like really put them down, but you know, no. at the end of the day, you're trying to reach uh, students or, or people that you know are in need that can't really um, pay eighty bucks a month. Right? Absolutely, we're really trying to serve a market where you know uh, that it's either either they have it or they don't, right? Or they or they're not going to have it if mm. nobody comes up and helps. Um, and I, you know, we're trying. We're starting to see some pockets of. You know, innovations with, with some of the, the, the business uh, folks, and they're really trying to also support. Uh, we don't think they're doing enough, you know, and that's why we're trying to, you know, develop our own system. Our, our experience with the fiber has just been incredible. You know, we, we have been able to manage our own growth, you know, in a very positive way. We've been able to really keep costs down for all our agencies, and at the end of the day, that that saves money to the taxpayers. You know, it's it's our money. Yeah. We definitely take it to heart. Um, I will tell you what we have in here in Imperial County, the Imperial Valley Telecommunications Authority. You don't see those collaboratives anywhere. You know, I I have the fortune to, you know, run a state program where I get, you know, I travel a lot through the state of California. I've attended some national conferences and they've invited us to speak about what we're doing with IVTA and Borderlink and and really to show a model of what's really possible when you can get all this the collaboration happening yeah. and folks you really working towards the same goal right and I'm, I'm sure that there's other pockets of collaboration that are exemplary here in Imperial County this is just one other thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. alright well is there anything else that you would like to add um, well I want to thank you for uh, taking us you know I think this uh, really our goal here with uh, being here today is to start planting seeds with our teachers uh, so that they can get uh, more familiar with Borderlink you know I've been we've been talking about Borderlink for a lot of years but where it matters right now is with our, with our teachers mm-hmm. they are the folks that are in the trenches and uh, we want them to start thinking about how they can use this technology to to you know, potentially uh, maybe modify their instructional practices and use uh, tools that are more engaging for students, and that um, you know they could they could um, not see the lack of broadband as a barrier mm-hmm. for you know wanting to uh, implement some new tools out there. So, yeah. and I think one thing that I wanted to kind of like make um, a point is that you, you're like. The person that brings this this um, service to the districts. So if somebody's interested in, in this, they need to reach out to the district. Let them know about you know Borderlink. Right. We're interested, so that that way the district can can contact you guys and see. Absolutely, yeah. We're working very closely with our districts. As I mentioned in my presentation, we have several districts that are piloting right now on the Borderlink system, and they they're receiving devices, and you know we're being uh, very thoughtful about um, how they're implementing the pilot. What grade levels they're they're uh, focused on how you know where are the places where they're deploying to ensure they have proper signal and so yes absolutely if a teacher is interested they should really work with their district Uh, i'd encourage them to really uh, raise their hand with their leadership because uh, they they should really put their hand their, their name on the on the hat so that they can participate on on these pilots and the pilots will really help us inform on you know what we need to do to really 
push push this out more and more um, more countywide. And again, from our perspective, we're focused on the enabling infrastructure. We're going to allow the districts to decide how they implement how Borderlink best fits their needs. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking this time. I know you're you're taking off. Um, you're busy, you're really busy. And um, oh no no, it's thank, this thank is, you. This and is I, like I said, um, I was in, in your session, and, and you know, there's a lot of information that that um, was really good and and maybe it's um like i guess to the normal folk it's kind of like jarble right but like yes. i'm in the technical side of the of the um business right. i kind of know what we're talking about and stuff like that yeah. so so it's you know it's a real eye-opener to see you know um, how this planning ahead is really now um you know really um um taking off absolutely cool so you know and, and i will you know, tell and i tell this to folks you know this is not something we started last year this is this is a lot of years. This is over 20 years in the making. You know, we knew we had wireless assets there, but we, we knew the timing wasn't right. We focused on the fiber, the backhaul. Um, and when I tell folks, you know, if you want to do something like this, you got to start now. You got to start putting the pieces together, working with your community to try to get these things. These things don't happen overnight, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it takes a lot of conversations, a lot of uh, persistence on the yeah. issue, persuading, and people. persuading people and, you know, to having everybody to pitch into to get these things done. But um, we're really happy where we are. You know, we, we, we've made tremendous progress it, without leadership vision, without, you know, uh, Todd's vision is our superintendent is uh, Pearl County be, um, you know, the the um, the, na the be the highest connected community in the nation. And, and that. That, that, that drives us that gives us a vision yeah right yeah. and and the rest falls in place yeah exactly all, all right, right okay well thank you so much no, thank good you. meeting you thank likewise, you likewise. okay all all right. pressure hey guys welcome back we're here with leslie fisher who's the keynote for this year's tech de mayo um hey leslie hi for being here. thank you um, thank you tell us a little bit about yourself um, yeah actually um i have been keynoting and feature speaking at education technology conferences for 22 years i actually was never a classroom teacher um, I got my start in technology as a music major and watching um, an orchestra be controlled by a computer that was doing SMPTE timecode and I just got enamored with technology and decided I just wanted to be as tech geeky as I could and one thing from another, worked at Apple for 10 years, my focus there was helping K-12 educators and when I left Apple in 97 I just ended up happenstance um, falling into presenting for teachers and it's been an absolute joy ever since. What's your What's your favorite part about you know giving the te giving the teachers something new, giving the teachers something like the oohs and ahs, like you just hear a teacher go ooh and ah. I had one teacher come up and thank me because their their daughter is struggling with something and she knew exactly that there would be one tool, and I think it's a lot of why a teacher says that they teach. Um, a teacher will say they teach because they make that co connection with a student and that student learns something and appreciates it. And I, I do the exact same thing. I just don't have as many guts as a teacher does to do that with kids. So I, I go straight to the adults. Yeah. And how do you keep up uh, with the change? It's, it's really tough to do. One of the things is I, I really try to use Twitter quite a bit and mm. people will, will laugh because they'll see I only have 21. I'm only following 21 people on Twitter, but I use Twitter lists, which let me kind of organize people by their focus groups. And I'm constantly scouring Twitter. I'm also super lucky in the fact that I've been at this for as long as I have, that a lot of times people will even come to me and say, have you heard of this? Mm. And they'll discover something great and they'll be like, have you seen this? Because they also know that, like, for example, I showed something really cool called Yellkey. And it's a link shortener that's brilliant for a classroom. And I remember very well when the teacher showed me. She goes, I need to show you this because I know you present so much. 
And when I saw it, I go, you just changed a lot of classrooms throughout America. And so I'm super lucky that that part of the people that attend my sessions are the ones that educate me as well. Yeah, and I think it's it's a, a great part about coming to these kinds of, of events, um, the networking that, that you get, uh, um, you know, that, that base, because um, I think that's the best, wor- the best way to spread the knowledge. You know, well, so. and, and there's another important thing is that um, inherently educators have a desire to educate. And you'll go to other fields of, of profession, and I don't think they're as open to sharing as they are in education. In education, they know that when you, when you reach out to a teacher, they're going to reach that out to a student. When you reach out to a, a technology director or a teacher on special assignment or a curriculum coach, they're going to reach out multiple teachers. And so just one thing could end up spreading so quickly and help so many. And, and that's really, like you said, the minute, imagine if you just even have that one, and now you take a group of how many hundred that are here, and that just turns into some really cool stuff. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the, you know, Twitter searches, and even like, I use a lot of Instagram. Yeah. Um, Instagram, uh, you know, the hashtag, you know, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's really good to um, find your your niche and right. focus on, Absolutely. on that. And it's great to do hashtag searching. I mean, it's just such a, it's such, such a useful thing, especially being able to search by time. So you can find the newest things that are going on. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter, you can also do time, location. You can do time, location. You can say, show me the most recent. So I always tell people when something hits the fan, you know, Twitter is an always an interesting place. Yeah, you're going to get some incorrect things. You're going to get some some bad things. But on, on the overall, you're going to probably get some education as well. Yeah. Um, why is it important to integrate technology into the education? Well, you're sitting there holding a phone and you have two microphones and a deck and a recorder. I don't know. You tell me. Um, <laughs> it surrounds everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And, and you could have said the same thing to a caveman at caveman school. Why are we teaching them how to build wheels? Yeah. And I, 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 always, I always chuckle when we get that question because technology has always been surrounding us in one way, shape, or form. And if we're not adding it into our or what we're doing and we're not teaching to it, uh, there's a buzzword that I think might be a little overused right now, which is future ready, but but there's some words of wisdom to that, which is the idea of making sure that the, the, stu- the students that are taught today are ready for the future. And that obviously includes not just technology, because it's not a specific thing, but it's being able to be adaptable with technology. Mm-hmm. Because the technology, we do this interview in three years, you'll probably have a different deck and two different microphones and a different process. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's the idea for getting those students ready for those changes. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is part of the technology curve. Yeah. Um, what what matters today in, t- in education? <laughs> There's a lot. That, that's a tough one. That's going to be the one like tomorrow on the airplane. I'll be like, dang, I, I wish I had that. I wish I remember. I could have answered it this way. But the one thing I would say is um, a couple things is one thing is being adaptable. Um, teachers, if, if you were a teacher that had the majority of your learning when technology wasn't as prevalent as it is today, it's probably a lot tougher for you just because you weren't taught to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that your students are probably more used to failing with technology than you are. And, and it's, it's the idea that just be adaptable and, and get ready for this, this ever, ever changing field. So, you know, that would, that would be uh, definitely um, one of the things that, that I would say. Um, and the other thing is, is to be open. Um, we're, we should always be learning. Mm-hmm. This landscape is constantly changing. Every year I find it easier to say, oh my gosh, I was wrong, or I was incorrect, or I learned. And so always be open to learning, but also at the same time realize we're in a really cool place right now. Mm. I've never seen things accelerate so quickly. So if a teacher feels uncomfortable, we were never, ever taught to be ready to teach like this. So it's a 
whole different world. And I think we're all holding on and just getting, you know, enjoying the ride. But do you think that um, education is because, I mean, education is in a way not hasn't changed much? Yeah, you're right. And and I don't think I don't think the teacher is is that much to blame for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you yeah. look at if you look at what a teacher is required to do, some of it hinders technology. Mm -hmm. And part of it is also the protection of a child. And this is where it gets interesting in, in education is I, I think you'll talk to a lot of people and they'll say the first thing is to make sure the child is safe. Yeah. And if you said that a child has to be safe, then some technology is going to is going to be discarded because of it. And then you also look at what what teachers have to do about, you know, a lot of times teachers will say that a lot of times they teach to the test. And the idea is if a, a student has to walk away with knowing A, B and C and that teacher has to prepare for that, that's another great place where technology is going to take a hit. Mm -hmm. And and yeah. so you're, you're just watching things lag and things lag considerably. And I think the finger a lot of times is inaccurately pointed directly at the teacher when you have to look at what the teacher is required to do and also what a school and a district is required to do to keep the child safe. So I don't think that's an easy question to answer. Um, I wish we were further along, but I realized to be further along, we would probably have to put a lot more resources to move classrooms faster than they're going right now. And what are your thoughts on project-based project learning? I love project-based learning. I'm a big believer in the individual learning learner. Um, but at the same point, I can sit there and say, I think all students should be individual learners. Well, I just made a teacher's life a lot tougher. Uh, you know, if I just say each teacher should be taught uniquely, that's very painful for a teacher. So if instead you let the student try to create their own journey or create their ways to, to learn something or to educate you, that's a really, really nice thing. Because all of a sudden, I'm not too pedagogical, but, but when we look at pedagogy, we can look at that learners to leaders. And it's a great learner to leader pedagogy. When you, when you try to say, we're going to do this based on a project and even letting the student take focus of their own project. And then your, your responsibility as a teacher is to obviously guide them through it, but then also to see how they, how they finished up. And how do you convince those people that, that feel that need to have um, uh, like a score or... or cool. <laughs> you see, this is another place where it's going to be tough to win because once again, um, I feel like we should embrace the individual learner, but also feel we should embrace the individual teacher. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to make a teacher uncomfortable teaching, then I'm not going to get that teacher at their best. And it's a real toughie. So that's one that it just isn't an easy answer because there are some teachers that are quite analytical that need to teach to a score. Mm -hmm. So it then turns into then how can we try to adapt with that individual teacher and get them to do those things like project-based learning or saying, don't worry about score, but give them something that they feel comfortable. Do you think that um, having like specialized schools where, you know, um, where it's project-based learning is going to be the way to tackle Yeah, this. That, that's one I'm not going to be able to answer that well, because once again, not, not being an actual classroom teacher, not dealing and not being surrounded with students all the time, I can sit here and give you what I think is my answer, but mm. I, I think a, a teacher in the field would be a, a better one to answer that. I will tell you this, I, uh, as I was a struggling learner, and in junior high school, I went to a performing arts school. Mm. And for me, that was very valuable because music and playing music and reading music was one thing I did really well. And everything else I struggled with. Mm. So being able to be in a school with a specialty focus really ma made me realize that there were things that I was doing well. So from a purely personal perspective, I really think some of those specialized schools, especially in cases like me where I did struggle with school, are, are a really good benefit. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to add to those people that couldn't make it today? But Thank you for being a teacher. I mean, it's a, it's, I think it's a calling. And as, as we go year to year and as things like technology ramps up, as we have more challenges, as we have less resources, 
it really takes a special being to, to be a teacher. And every year that I'm, I'm lucky to, to be doing my job, my admiration grows more and more for those teachers. And I, I can't even imagine some of the things that they go through, and, and I don't think they can imagine my appreciation. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a teacher. All right, Leslie, thank you so much for You're taking welcome. your time. Thank um, you. It's lunch, lunch time, so I'll let you it's go. It's taco time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you All so right, much. Thank you, thank you. You bet. All right, guys, well, we're back. Um, we have our first a- attendee of the of the of today's conference. Um, can you tell us your name, uh, your district, and what school you uh, teach at? My name is Mario Magallanes, and uh, I work in Calexico Unified School District, and I teach science and STEM. Um, so we're wrapping up the, the, the session, so we're going into the keynote. Um, what was your, your favorite uh, session you attended today? Well, um, since I'm experienced in technology and, and I teach STEM, uh, a lot of what I saw was uh, um, telling me that, I, you know, the apps that I'm using and everything else, you know, it's, it's, it's um, the same thing that I've been using. But what I liked is that they have a, like a different approach and different ways that I can implement them in the classroom. Um, for example, one of them was uh, Google and uh, Google Culture. And, and it not only has the, the aspect of culture, but it also had some, some of the NASA videos and some of, so those are new things that I didn't know they were there. I knew about Google and Google Culture, but I was able to explore other, other aspects of it that I, that I want to be able to implement in the classroom. Okay. Um, is this your first time being a, a, at a Tech the Mile or? No, this is the third time that I'm, that I'm here. And, and the only reason why I missed the last two, the last two times, it was because, uh, we had some first communions in the family and I couldn't attend, but I mean, ever since it started, I think I missed tw- twice. Um, what's the importance of having these type of events? Um, it, it, it gets complicated to go to the, the actual Q conference. Even though we have one in, in uh, Northern California and we have the national in Palm Springs. Uh, so it gets, it, it gets hard. I mean, sometimes not everybody's able to go. I mean, if you already went once, they're going to spend so much money in hotels and, and registration and everything else. And, and this being local, I mean, it, it's, it, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, do, do you feel that, uh, um, we, we need more teachers coming to this, to this type of event or? I think it would be great if, if we would have the opportunity not only to come here, but if we could have maybe a session where we meet with our department. Uh, like if I could have a, my entire department come here and then we could have one session where we meet and we actually plan a lesson based on what we learn. We actually decide how we're going to use or not use uh, whatever uh, apps or whatever strategies that we've been shown. I think that would be very beneficial because many times we come and see uh, so many things and then we go back and, and we feel like we're going to start implementing them. But then we don't really have the time to sit down with another teacher and plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes you might see uh, something different from the that presentation, something different that you can implement in the classroom and, and than somebody else in your group. So it's like sharing ideas mm-hmm. at, at the moment. I think it's crucial because you might go, it's, it's a Saturday, so you might go back on Monday and like you might forget something that, that you did, you know, you wanted to talk about it, but you forgot it because it's so weakened. And, and they may even have a different point of view on how to implement it. And, 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 you know, two minds are better than one. So I think it would be a great, a great, um, a great asset to every single school district if there would be some planning time right after something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a good a good point. Um, is there anything else you would like to add about the the 
take the mile. Uh, you know, I, I wish that instead of, because I don't know how many people we had, but I wish next year we had twice as many people. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that, um, you know, we could have a lot a lot more people here. Um, I know it's kind of busy when it's a weekend. It's the Cinco de Mayo. You know, people have things going, but, you know, it's it's... It's probably half of the day. You're not taking the whole day. So I think it's, it's, it's really beneficial. It's my first time here. And, you know, I didn't really sit down for a whole session, but I walked into a couple. And there's a lot of things that, you know, that I didn't know that, you know, people, teachers are using in the classroom, like 3D printing, like how they, you can print out a, if you're a biology teacher, you can print out uh, models of, of a cell or, or, you know, all these things that, you know, are out there that, you know, I never knew. And I guess the, the nice thing about it is also that these are teachers who are using this in Imperial Valley. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the awesome thing about it. It's actual people. Because sometimes you go to a Q conference and, and not to discredit them, but um, it's people that, you know, are maybe um, not in the classroom, not um, interacting with kids. But the people who are presenting here are actual teachers from the valley. That or we may we may say, well, they have their resources and we don't. But you know, I mean, yeah, some other school districts may have a little bit more budget than. But I I think it would be almost the same uh, when it comes to the the, the resources that they ha that they have and that they can get in the classroom. So uh, I think it's great that it is teachers from Imperial Valley, and. and to see the awesome things that they're doing in the classroom. Yeah, and something that Leslie Fisher said to me earlier is that, because um, I tell her, how do you keep up with you know the, the change, the evolving change in, in technology and, and, and education? She's like, coming to these types of events, <clears throat> there's a lot of teachers that fi find things on their own and they'll share it with me. So it's a good way to network, you know, and, and share these ideas. So, so yeah, um, I think you know being here my first time, I'm, I'm really impressed by the the um, the amount of networking you can do the amount of learning you can do from your your peers and your, your co-workers and then the facility i mean imperial valley the science wing imperial valley college the science wing it, it's a great place yeah. and it really facilitates everything that they're doing no yeah um, this is my first time here you know i graduated from ivc a while back and i never get to i never got to see this building but yeah it's, a, it's an amazing building it's an amazing building well mario thank you for for sharing with us um your experience at, at tech de mayo um, I'll let you go because I know the keynote's about okay. to start. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Mario. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we're back. Um, we're here with Jeff Entz, who is... What are you here at IVC? Yeah, my, so my role, I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at IVC. I, I get the opportunity to oversee the the technology from the classroom technology to the uh, building technology, phones, pretty much all the technology on campus. Okay, you're like the technology director kind of like yeah. at, a, at, a, at a district that's kind of like... Yeah, yeah, that, that works... As good as anything else. <laughs> so, uh, what's your history with Tech de Mayo? <clears throat> so, I was part of the with the original founding group back. I guess it's probably been six, seven, or so years ago. Um, Todd Fennell, myself, and some others here when we had a an Atlas grant um, uh, worked with ICOE back then to form Tech de Mayo. So, we've been involved ever since then. So, we've been involved from the beginning. And it's just a, we're a supportive role. We, we love the opportunity to support uh, teaching and learning uh, with technology in the, in the Valley. And we think the college has a, a, a big place in that. And we want to make sure the college is involved in, in helping um, all the teachers of the Valley um, with their technology and, and how they use technology in the classroom. So we, we um, cherish the opportunity to be involved in, and bring everyone on our campus and, and let them um, learn and and uh, do good things with it. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I actually graduated from here, from IVC back in, I think it was 07. 
So I never got to see this building. <laughs> You're young. I graduated here a few years before that. Okay. But I also graduated here. No, but here. I graduated in 07, but it took me a while to graduate. I was here like, <laughs> for, I think I was here for seven years. I enjoyed coming to IBC. It's, um, I changed my major like every two years. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got really good teachers that, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, my experience here. So Excellent. I wasn't in a hurry. I already had my job and, and, and I was just coming because I didn't. W I wanted to get like at least an AA. AA. Uh huh. So um, you know, I was just coming and, and and I ended up getting something that wasn't even in my field. But um, you know, just the experience here, it was it was really awesome. Um, what's your favorite part about being you know part of the tech domain? Uh, like I said, I, I really enjoy the opportunity uh, to allow others to learn about technology. Uh, technology has been a passion of mine now for twenty plus years, and and the ability to um, provide an opportunity for uh, others, uh, other faculty, other teachers to um, learn about ways to use that in the classroom, the ways to use that to help educate um, young minds and young people and help them grow and meet them where they're at. Um, the generations today are more of a technology natives, I guess, is a term we all like to use. Um, they've grown up with it. So we need to make sure as uh, the other side of that, that we're providing an environment that's conducive for their learning. Mm -hmm. And so I, I enjoy the opportunity to um, provide a place for people to teach what they know and other people to learn from them on, on ways to do that. Where do you see um, Tecnomayo evolving to like in the next five years? Or? You know, that's a, that's a tough question because that's, that's like asking where do you see technology going in five yeah. years? And in technology terms, five years can be a lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. Things can so much change. And um, I think they'll be teaching and doing things in five years that we can't even think of today. Um, wireless, things are changing within wireless, the wireless world so much that historically we've been cabled to um, things. When, when you want to project to a screen, you're connected to that screen or something that's connected to that screen. And all those things, and I think that those barriers will start to go away. Um, you'll have a lot of um, mobility within a room. You'll have a lot of ability to share, collaborate uh, with students. They'll have the opportunity to project from their devices, any device, all those things. And that's probably even in the short term. You start looking out, you know, maybe two, three years. You start looking out five years, and who knows, with virtual reality and, yeah. and all <clears throat> those things, um, you know, when do we have that situation where you can take virtual field and literal virtual field trips where you go into a room and it's like going into another place and yeah. stuff and, and it might not be five years, but I can, you know, you can start to see that. Yeah. Out. And even you see commercials now for, I think it's, um, Oculus mm -hmm. where they're watching a basketball game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, All that stuff. Clippers are doing big things this yeah. year with their sports on certain things you can watch and, all the stats and all the things running and you can be virtually on the court. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I can definitely see where a lot of that stuff is changing and there'll be, um, you know, so you'll be able to do field trips without it maybe doing field trips. You know, I'm going to go to Washington and see DC and virtually be able to kind of walk around and see things that, that you're not able to travel to now. Um, do you think that um, more people need to be coming to these type of events? You're asking a, a, a technology person that question. Mm -hmm. Of course I do, right? Um, I think everyone should be using some form of technology in the classroom. Um, but, you know, 
that's an individual, I think, choice. And not all choose to, um, but I think that technology is, especially with, a, with like I said, a, a generation who's grown up on it, there's a there's a need to meet them where they are a little bit um, and and keep them engaged and you have kindergartens first second grades in google classrooms and doing um you know distance ed type situations and it's just we need to all kind of work that way because that's why they're learning now yeah yeah is there anything else that you want to add today no i just i appreciate this opportunity to sit down and and meet and talk with you and and look forward to future Tech to Mayos and, and all the opportunities that we can bring to other uh, educators in the Valley and help them learn and, and grow. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. All thank right. you. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this special edition of the podcast. Um, I, I had a lot of fun over at Tech to Mayo. I want to thank Lucio Padilla for inviting me. And I want to thank everybody that joined the podcast today. Um, you had a lot of good input, not only for the organizers, but people who missed out on today's Tech de Mayo. Um, it was a really fun experience. It was my first one, um, and I thought it was a really good opportunity to network with people, um, especially if you're a teacher. Um, it's a really good place to see what other teachers are doing in terms of technology in their classroom. So I really encourage everybody in the Valley to um, stay tuned for next next year's Tech de Mayo. It's a really um, good resource to implement technology in your classroom. Um, like uh, once again, thank everybody for listening. Thank thank you to my sponsors, and thank thank you for um, all, all the organizers of the Tech de Mayo. They did a great job of of you know um, putting up this event. Um, uh, I think that you know there's a lot of uh, a good information and. Um, I hope it, it grows and, and it really needs to grow because um, um, it's a really good resource and yeah thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you guys in the next one peace peace